part two of joseph conrad a personal remembrance by ford maddox ford this librivox recording is in the public domain part two section one excellency a few goats we come thus to the life purely literary after two and a half years we had abandoned romance the problem of how to get john kemp out of cuba had grown too difficult the writer's invention at any rate had failed and conrad was too involved with his own work to do any inventing looking back the period in which slowly we dragged out that preposterous series of fatalities seems one of long bush fighting as if we were clearing a piece of land in which the vegetation grew faster than could be dealt with by such cutting instruments as we had it is not to be imagined that we spent the whole of our times upon the enterprise we each at intervals carried on work of our own then we would drop it have another month's try at romance then drop that again or sometimes one of us would write his own work in the morning the other would write away at romance in the evening and till far into the night we would join up we pursued this monstrous undertaking all over the shores and near shores of the british channel at the pent near height in kent at aldington at winchelsea in sussex in bruges the most terrible struggles of all took place in a windy hotel at knock on the belgian coast with in the basement a contralto from boyreuth practising her voice literally shook the flimsy house whilst we rode or groaned on the fourth floor the glasses on a tray jarred together in sympathy with the contralto passages of the gertrudemerung and there was a child very ill with only belgian doctors abscesses in the jaw and no dentist gout frigid rooms into which blew the sands from holland intolerable winds interminable gusts of rain it is thus the world gets its masterpieces conrad was then beginning nostromo in the mornings it was going to be a slight book and very quickly finished to make a little money it was however before that we abandoned romance we took up the inheritors a queer thin book which the writer has always regarded with an intense dislike or no with hatred and dread having nothing to do with literature what they have to do with he cannot say some obscure nervous first cause no doubt that could not interest any one but a psychopathic expert conrad had none of these feelings apparently the writer's dislike for the book began as soon as the last word was written so that he managed to shift the burden of proof correcting which conrad rather liked on to his collaborator's shoulders and from that day to this has never looked at the book when then during the early days of the late european struggle we met finally to settle up various matters and when conrad said as two collaborations when it comes to our collected editions you had better take the inheritors because it is practically all yours and that will leave me romance not that romance isn't practically all yours too conrad talked like that the writer was very pleased his intention was to suppress the book he imagined that conrad disliked it as much as he did himself and was just turning it over with polite contempt 
so it would never have appeared in either of our collected editions and would remain unobtainable until with the expiration of copyright some german research worker might dig it up and make a pamphlet out of it however a little later pinker having been informed that the writer was dead or in an asylum made in america a contract for the collected edition of conrad including all our collaborations past and to come thus before the writer knew anything about it there the inheritors was out again not merely in one but in three editions he happened then rather with regret to mention the republication to conrad as a thing that he supposed conrad had not been able to prevent authors are forced by agents and publishers into the republication of all sorts of works they may wish to suppress in the interests of a sacred completeness conrad however remarked with a great deal of feeling with more feeling than the writer otherwise remembers in him why not why not republish it it's a good book isn't it it's a damn good book and the writer let the matter go at that rather than imply that conrad would have set his name to a book that he did not consider good or even damn good he had intended to raise the matter later so as absolutely to assure himself as to what really was conrad's view of this work but that is too late now it must remain as conrad's opinion that the book is a damn good one that being so we had better go on a little to consider the exegesis of this work we had abandoned romance the writer had just finished a preposterous work purporting to be a history of the Stank pots in elephant folio in revenge it was written completely in sentences of not more than ten syllables the south african war was there or thereabouts the writer being an excited pacifist whose hat was from time to time bashed in by still more excited patriots conrad was engaged with the end of heart of darkness with thinking out typhoon and with writing amy foster a short story originally by the writer which conrad took over and entirely rewrote the writer in common with conrad had a great admiration for mr balfour the writer at least had a profound detestation for the late mr chamberlain who off his own bat had caused the war how conrad felt towards the late mr chamberlain the writer does not remember he was certainly more imperialistic than the writer since it may seem odd to the reader one author living in close intimacy with another author should not know what were his friend's views about a point of politics so important as a war it might be as well to say a word or two upon how we did live together our relationships were then curiously impersonal never once did the writer ask conrad a question as to his past his ethical or religious outlook or as to any intimate point of his feelings or life never once did conrad ask the writer any such question never once did we discuss any political matter we met at first as two english gentlemen do in a club upon that footing we continued we took it for granted that each was a gentleman with the feelings views of the world and composure of a member of the ruling classes of the days of lord palmerston tempered of course with such eccentricities as go with the spleen of the milor anglais 
such eccentricities we allowed each to the other but without question thus during the south african war as has been said the writer was an active and sometimes uproarious pacifist not a pro-boer he would have hanged president kruger on the same gallows as mr chamberlain or later with an equal enthusiasm he supported miss christabel pankhurst and the suffragettes now and then on idle occasions after lunch he would declaim about either of these causes conrad would listen from time to time particularly whilst writing heart of darkness conrad would declaim passionately about the gloomy imbecility and cruelty of the belgians in the congo free state still more would he so declaim now and then after he had been up to london and had met casement who had been british commissioner on the congo and was passionately the champion of the natives then the writer would listen if conrad differed from the writer he never argued nor did the writer ever argue with conrad once in his hotter youth though he would do the same in his sober age the writer put his name down as willing to go with a crack-brained expedition to german poland in order to fight the prussians and conrad never so much as remonstrated though he expressed gloomy anticipation as to what would happen to that expedition the writer's ambition however was to fight the prussians to that conrad offered no objections or again the writer never in his life uttered one word of personal affection towards conrad what his affection was or was not here appears and conrad never uttered one word of affection towards the writer what his affection was or was not will never now be known conrad was infinitely the more lavish of praise of his collaborator's works so lavish that at times the writer would feel like a fatuous buddhist idol whilst conrad went on the writer on the other hand supposes that conrad gathered somehow how deeply his work was admired by his companion perhaps he did and perhaps he did not that too will never now be known the writer cannot remember ever to have addressed any particularly moving praise to conrad as to his work except in his last letter but one it is that that makes life the queer solitary thing that it is you may live with another for years and years in a condition of the closest daily intimacy and never know what at the bottom of the heart goes on in your companion not really so there we lived the two english gentlemen the one bobbing stiffly to the other like mandarins our politics were what they were our creeds were what they were out of the loyalty that is demanded of gentlemen we were both papists but not the faintest glimmer of an idea is in the writer's mind as to what might have been the religious condition of joseph conrad except that when out driving he would turn back rather than meet two priests that is a polish superstition once in our lives the writer addressed a remonstrance a reproach to conrad that has already been related once conrad did the same to the writer that was very characteristic conrad had very strongly the idea of the career a career was for him something a little sacred any career it was part of his belief in the ship shape 
the reader must not believe that though we did not question each other we did not voluntarily and at times the one to the other express our passionate beliefs a career was a thing to be carried through tidily without mistakes as a ship is taken through a voyage and stowed away safely in a port so one day when the writer had both started a review and permitted someone to make a very indifferent play out of one of his novels that was then being boomed by an enthusiastic press conrad positively addressed a letter of serious and formal remonstrance to the writer if the reader will look at the facsimile of a letter from conrad that precedes these pages he will see that the first typewritten lines or so is scratched out the writer had written to conrad reminding him that he had always disliked the english review conrad was replying that the writer was mistaken whether it was the writer or conrad who erased that line the writer is not certain but conrad had certainly intensely disliked the english review if not for its contents or conduct then for its effect on the writer's career with a great deal of perspicacity he pointed out that it is ruin for any imaginative writer to edit any sort of periodical in the first place it is a waste of time in the second place it raises for you such hordes of enemies that eventually they will bring you down or very nearly all the writers you discover or benefit will become your bitterest enemies as soon as your connection with the public organ ceases or sooner that is human nature even benjamin franklin observes that his eminently successful career was made by very carefully putting himself in a position to receive as often as not unneeded benefits he thus made for himself so many patrons who gave him friendly shoves on the way whenever the opportunity occurred and by never conferring benefits or by very skilfully obscuring the origin of such benefits as he did confer he made for himself no enemies at all in addition conrad continued every soul who has ever written a favourable note about you will deluge you with his manuscripts you will be unable to print them you will have so many thousands to call you base ingrate in private and to stone your work before the public again as soon as you have no organ of your own in which to revenge yourself but even conducting a review was as nothing to the sin of allowing an indifferent play made from one of your novels to be produced in that day in england all novelists were obsessed by the idea that if they could only get a play produced fame fortune and eternal tranquillity beyond the range of all temporal griefs would be for ever theirs a novel may earn its hundreds a play even an unsuccessful play will earn thousands the receipts for a successful play run into the tens and hundreds of thousands in addition in england at that date there was a glamour of its own attaching to the play even the lord chamberlain's censorship was nearly abolished there was something sacred about it the writer was practically the only british novelist who did not catch that malady it poisoned the whole of henry james afterlife even conrad was not immune the writer was and he got it in the neck as the phrase is 
there was never there was never such a debacle as was that novel dramatized it contained five acts each of innumerable scenes the curtain was down for twice as long as it was up it played from eight till twelve fifteen not ten people remained till the end the press next day was livid with rage at the writer for daring to write a play without having studied the technique of the drama the writer's connection with the english review had just come to an end he had had nothing to do with that play it had been extracted from his novel by a dramatist the writer had never even seen a rehearsal the writer did not mind conrad did he minded horribly coming down from town the day after he had received that letter the writer just mentioned its reception and left it at that conrad did not he repeated the contents of the letter all over again the writer was ruining his career the writer said that he did not care at that conrad suffered really as much as he had suffered during the reading of the first draft of romance it was in the same department of suffering he sat rather curled up in the corner of a sofa sick-looking and wincing flushed and his eyebrows contracted downwards a frame of mind a conception of life according to which a man did not take stock of the results of his actions upon himself as it were at long range was something that he had never contemplated as he saw life you wrote a book lived circumspectly avoided making enemies meddled only with what immediately concerned you or you passed for second mate lived circumspectly avoided making enemies concerned yourself only with your ship and ship's company then you could foresee that in ten years time in fifteen in twenty you would be promoted to the command of the Terence, the finest sailing ship afloat to be commodore of a great line to be an elder brother of the trinity house or the times would salute you as a great light in the literary firmament you would become the doyen of british letters and an honorary member of the french academy you would have a memorial service in westminster abbey or even be buried there an aspiration the fulfilment of which was forbidden to nelson he desired the shipshape life that any one any soul could be indifferent to these honours was new to him and terribly painful he had taken it as so for granted that all proper men deserved these tranquil and as if british peacefulness in the same way in his majesty's army it has to be taken for granted that every officer desires promotion to the rank eventually of honorary colonel commanding his regiment life could not otherwise go on that any officer should be indifferent to promotion then becomes painful as if you should not care about the dressing of the men of your unit upon inspection by the field marshal commanding-in-chief it is in effect the same crime as not squeezing the last drop of blood out of your subject when you are writing a book the real crime against the holy ghost for that crime presumably is neither more nor less than to be out of harmony with the universe and for conrad the universe was the ship shape any soul wandering outside that corral in the abyss was for him a matter purely of gloomy indifference the fellow simply does not exist that was the formula 
that any one with whom he was on terms of intimacy should all unsuspected hold such a philosophy was to him unspeakably painful as if it were a treachery to the british flag it was as unspeakably painful to him as when later casement loathing the belgians so much for their treatment of the natives on the congo took up arms against his own country and was to our eternal discredit hanged rather than shot in the attempt to escape we might have achieved that effort of our wooden imaginations it will be as well to attempt here some sort of chronology this is a novel exactly on the lines of the formula that conrad and the writer evolved for it became very early evident to us that what was the matter with the novel and the british novel in particular was that it went straight forward whereas in your gradual making acquaintanceship with your fellows you never do go straight forward you meet an english gentleman at your golf club he is beefy full of health the moral of the boy from an english public school of the finest type you discover gradually that he is hopelessly neurasthenic dishonest in matters of small change but unexpectedly self-sacrificing a dreadful liar but a most painfully careful student of lepidoptera and finally from the public prints a bigamist who was once under another name hammered on the stock exchange still there he is the beefy full-fed fellow moral of an english public school product to get such a man in fiction you could not begin at his beginning and work his life chronologically to the end you must first get him in with a strong impression and then work backwards and forwards over his past that theory at least we gradually evolved at the beginning then of this chapter we had arrived at the nineteen hundred or so we went to knock in belgium and took up romance once more probably a year or so later but conrad's letter as to an endangered career was not written until about nineteen o eight it comes in here as a light upon what did upon what can have induced conrad to desire to take a hand in the production of the book called the inheritors since the beginning of this chapter the writer has read a sufficiency of that work to satisfy him as to what it was all about the process was distasteful but the subordinating of one's nerves to duty is the first step towards a career or even towards the writing of a novel and what made conrad passionately desirous of laying hands on the writer's then subject was a sentence one sentence coming after an effective couple or so of sentences with which the manuscript had opened the scene of that baratri is perfectly vivid to the writer at this moment he had driven over to the pent with the manuscript of the opening chapters of the novel rather shyly in his pocket conrad was as yet unaware that a novel was in progress he was sitting in the parlour of the pent with the monthly roses peeping just over the window-sill after he had seen to the unharnessing of the disgraceful exmoor pony who had only one accomplishment that of undoing the bolt of his oat chest with his teeth which was a damnable inconvenience the animal would fill itself full to the lips with oats and then have to be walked for seven or eight hours to save its life and usually in the dead of the night 
after then the writer had seen to the unharnessing of that plague with the aid of a disreputable aged ex-time serving soldier called hunt who had had sunstroke ague and malaria in ketta with the buffs who claimed to be heir in chancery of half the county of kent who had always sore feet hobbled and whose proximity resembled that of a rum keg and who acted as our outdoor factotum and gardener the writer went into the parlour conrad was sitting reflecting and beyond his saying my dear feller we did not speak we were so constantly about each other's houses that quite often we could meet after driving over without any particular greeting as if one of us had just come down from washing his hands in the bedroom conrad then was sitting gloomily reflecting upon his career upon the almost impossibility of wrestling any longer with the english that shall describe lagoons shallows briggs reflected in breathless water upon the possibility that he would have to get over neck into debt before he should have finished the rescue a slight book almost no longer than a novelette it was already mortgaged to heinemann that decent fellow who never worried his authors to complete their manuscripts and there was the beginnings of another attack of gout in the right wrist and nancy needed shoeing the writer then came in and before sitting down drew the manuscript of the first chapter of the inheritors from his pocket conrad said another story done done conrad had no particular admiration for the writer's short stories he had simply taken amy foster from the writer with no particular apology and had just rewritten it introducing amy herself who had not existed in the writer's draft this however was a novel not a short story and instead of giving the manuscript to conrad who would merely have glanced at it perfunctorily and dropping it would have returned to the contemplation of his debts and gout the writer sat down and began to read aloud at the end of the first paragraph conrad said mais monsieur c'est très chic what is it at the end of a sentence on the sixth page he was exclaiming but what is this what the devil is this it is très 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 chic it is epatant that's magnificent and already the writer knew that either he was in for another collaboration or that he would hand over the manuscript altogether the sentence was i recovered my equanimity with the thought that i had been visited by some stroke of an obscure and unimportant physical kind the opening paragraph had run ideas she said oh as for ideas well i hazarded as for ideas we went through the old gateway and i cast a glance over my shoulder the noon sun was shining over the masonry over the little saint's effigies over the little fretted canopies the grime and the white streaks of bird dropping and as soon as the writer had let conrad know that this was a novel not a short story he knew that he was in for another collaboration every word spoken added to that conviction the novel was to be a political work rather allegorically backing mr balfour in the then government the villain was to be joseph chamberlain who had made the war 
the sub-villain was to be leopold ii king of the belgians the foul and incidentally lecherous beast who had created the congo free state in order to grease the wheels of his harems with the blood of murdered negroes and to decorate them with fretted ivory cut from stolen tusks in the deep forests for the writer until that moment it had appeared to be an allegorical realist romance it showed the superseding of previous generations and codes by the merciless young who are always alien and without remorse but the moment conrad spoke he spoke with the voice of the conrad who was avid of political subjects to treat and the writer knew that this indeed was the conrad subject End of section one